Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Let's say one, two, one. Do one. Hiya, Bab. Hello there. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? I'm really good. Can you believe it's episode 20? Episode 20? Yep, of Bareback. Welcome along, everybody. I mean, people, you have problems. Seriously. <laughs> 20 episodes of, uh, of us talking to you? By what? If it's what you wanted, this is what you get. 20 episodes, you massacred bastards. But welcome. <laughs> welcome to Bareback. The podcast where we explore our relationship living together as a bear couple and we discuss the quirks of our respective cultures. I'm Ben and I'm British and I'm Benka and I'm Argentinian and this week we are looking at all those kind of stereotypes that people dangle in front of our faces when it comes to what it means to be a gay man in particular. So are we a good gay, good gay or are we a bad gay? Bad gay. Ooh, well, I'm going to find out. Mm. So, this week, how's it been for you? Well, you know how last week we talked about compromises and we kind of thought about, hmm, you making an effort to be on time is a little bit of a compromise, but not just yet. So, this week we have proof. What do you mean? Well, you compromised, you did an effort... And then you kind of just ruined it. You're going to have to explain, because I'm a bit at a loss here. Well, so let me put it this way. We had an event that we went to, a birthday party. And basically, we managed, miraculously, to leave on time. Mm -hmm. We'd been driving. So we were brilliant. That compromise, that effort that you made to make us be on time. Very proud of myself. Except that then you missed our exit from the motorway, not once, but actually twice, and added 30 minutes into our drive, which meant that we were late. Bummer. And also, let me just say something which is for me, for a person who really hates being late, I absolutely hated it, the fact that we've become those people. The person who invited us told you to be there at 12 and told everyone else to be there at one. <laughs> yeah, because we, we were basically picking up my grandma en route, and we got to my grandma's house, and she was like, do you want a cup of tea? And I could see Ben's face. He was like, no, we need to go, we need to go. And she was like, well, we, you know, we've got an hour yet, and we didn't have to be there until one. So we had a nice hour buffer zone, so we could spend a bit of time with my grandma. So eventually, and in the end, we actually were relatively on time. We went that late. We were early. Yeah, but we've become those people. We've become those people that has to be told to be home an hour earlier. But well, we made it and it was fine. And we got to pick up my grandma on the route. Do you know, I, I actually thought today, my grandma is 90 next year. And I think that's the first time that I've driven her anywhere. Is it a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> I thought I drive quite well. Yeah, you did. You did. But... The thing with picking up your grandma, and to be fair, it has to be said, that was the cherry on the whole story. Because, oh my God, I could 
barely contain myself, so we picked up your grandma, who just moved into an independent assisted living. So basically she has her own flat in a complex where they have amenities, they have, basically, again, they have their own flat, but it's still assisted living. It's absolutely amazing. She was telling us on Friday night, they all had a fish and chip night. Then they sat and watched Shakespeare in Love on this massive television. They've got snacks on tap. You wouldn't let me take any of the snacks away. I mean, it's for the old people. It's not for you. Those drop waffles were for the old people living there. Well, uh, yeah. But Grandma said I could have one, but you were like, no. They had a quiz that was going around. You could jump in and do a jigsaw. And then, obviously, she's got this beautiful flat. I mean, I kind of want to move in myself. To be fair, considering the amenities that that flat has, I would consider it as well. Because your grandmother was touring us around her new flat. Pretty much lovely. And then she went into a door and said, oh, and here I have the glory hole. (laughs) Yeah, that was... I think grandma must have heard the phrase glory hole at some point in her past and assumed it meant like a little cupboard where you keep the washer dryer, the boilers in there, that kind of thing. But your face was a picture because you were just trying not to explode in front of her. I mean, any assisted living that has glory holes as a service... I'm there. But she kept saying, she was like, oh, this is my glory hole. Oh, I've been putting this in my glory hole. I'm getting some shelves in my glory hole. She was so proud of her glory hole. Yeah. I mean, it it was just absolutely incredible. I mean, we met, obviously, Flora and Doris as well, some of her neighbours when we were leaving. I wonder if they've got glory holes as well. I mean, it seems that every flood has one. Maybe it's a selling point of the complex, you know. You've got your ensuite and a glory hole. And a glory hole. So to be fair, I think that that kind of made the day worth it. I'm set for the day. Your 90-year-old grandma with her sort of built-in glory hole in her new flat, I'm done for the week. (laughs) Before we move on, I just want to delve into the post bag. We've had a message from Jack in Brighton. And he's actually written to us in Spanish, and I believe, and I'm going to try and translate this, but obviously I'll need a lot of your help. Okay, okay. Three years you've studied Spanish. Three years. I think he's referring to some of the points that were raised in last week's episode, Compromises. So he says, Hola Benja, escuche tu podcast, no creo que haya una palabra español para esto. Cuando dijiste que nada persona habla contigo en español, me moleste. Entonces, estoy mandando un mensaje en español, chapurero, porque nada ingleses hablan tu idioma. Muchos besos de mí, Jack D. Brighton. And then there's a little bit extra at the end. He says, lo siento, tengo un teclado inglés, por lo tanto, los Tildes son difíciles para mí. It's actually really, really sweet. Do you get, in your three years of having studied Spanish, do you get what he means? Yeah, I think he's basically saying that he finds it upsetting that people are not speaking Spanish to you over here. Well, yeah, so basically he says that uh, sort of hearing how I'm not spoken to in Spanish, it upset him. Yeah. So yeah. that's why he chose to uh, wrote to us in Spanish. And then something at the end about not getting the um, the the grammar or the, the, the inflections right. Basically, he says that he has an English keyboard and therefore the... Oh, how do you call the 
you know, the, the accent, the accents that he couldn't do, so that they were a little bit all over the place. But you know what, Chuck? I don't mind. I'm working in the UK, so my laptop is a English laptop. A tip for that is remember you have the alt codes, the ASCII codes. So it's really simple. But it's like alt one six four for the Enya. 161 for the A with the accent. Or, no, sorry, the A is 160. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, but it's really weird. They have 160, 161, 162, I think, but then the E is like 131. Suddenly it's not in the 60s, it's in the 30s, and, and I don't know why. And the Enya is really interesting because it's basically an extra letter that the Spanish alphabet has that we don't have in English. Yes. And it's not an accent. It's actually an extra letter. The Enya, and uh, and for anybody who don't know what Enya is, it's basically the N. And this is a very crude way of explaining it, but it's got a little squiggle on the top, hasn't it? The symbol, yeah. Yeah, it's like a an inverted S almost, yeah. isn't it? But it's not an accent. No. It's actually its own letter. It's a letter in its own right. So the, uh, the alphabet in Spanish has an extra letter that the one in English doesn't have. And it's a very important one because it's the difference between saying año, a.k.a. year, or ano, a.k.a. anus. So when you say Happy New Year and you say Feliz Año Nuevo, that's fine, that's perfect. Saying Feliz Año Nuevo, well, someone's visited the plastic surgeon. <laughs> But Jack, he's so lovely as well. He didn't leave me out as well. And he says, P.S. If you need a hand with some Spanish grammar, I'm not as good as I was, but I can try to lend a hand if you like Ben. Oh, that was so sweet. Thanks very much, Jack. I really, really appreciate the splashes of Spanish. I very much appreciate them. I don't take them for granted. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, so let's lay out the ground rules of how we're going to play good gay, bad gay. <laughs> so we're going to talk about different topics. Okay. And we are going to be give examples where us personally are either good gays or bad gays based on very, very, very loose, antiquated and sometimes even mildly offensive stereotypes. Okay. So we're going to start with pop culture. Good gay. Now, the part of you that it's good gay is that you're a massive Kylie fan. Oh yeah, huge, huge. I've seen her loads of times in concert. I've got all the CDs. I've got all the Japanese versions, the singles from Germany that she never released over here, all that kind of stuff. I'm a huge, huge Kylie fan. And I guess in my head, it's not really a gay thing. I think I kind of grew up with her. You know, she kind of burst onto the scene. I think the first CD that my dad bought for me. And I've just kind of like followed her career. And although she's a little bit older than me, I kind of feel like I've kind of gone through those stages with her. That you've grown with her. Yeah. And I think, I think as a performer, she constantly reinvents herself and she constantly makes herself seem fresh. And she's a fighter, you know, she's been through some really difficult times. She's had, you know, really, really hard breakups. She obviously had breast cancer, but every time she's come back bigger and better and more importantly, camper than ever. I know. I mean, you have to admit that she definitely knows her audience. I mean, I remember seeing online these live versions she did of Dancing Queen from ABBA, but she does it with these two guys that are basically wearing, like, a short short, a very tight short short, and pink feathers, 
and that she's like doing the choreography of Dancing Queen that is like the gayest thing ever. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when we talk about being an ally as well to the LGBTQ community, she's really kind of spoken up for us, you know, as things have changed, as the political landscape has moved on. I particularly remember most recently she was very outspoken about gay marriage in Australia when they were kind of debating that. And I just think she's she's fantastic. And also, she makes great records. And for me, you know, one of the greatest songs ever written is Can't Get You Out of My Head, which that song, even when I hear it now, and it must be, what, 20, 25 years old? Probably. It just sounds as fresh as it did. It's like the future. It's a bit like, you know, you listen to New Order, Blue Monday, you listen to Donna Summer, I Feel Love. Those songs, those electronic songs, in a hundred years' time, they will still sound as if somebody had made them yesterday. That's the thing with Kylie. I think that she likes her club bangers, so it's not necessarily music that you're going to hear in young people radio, but you know that you're going to go to a club and people's going to love it. And actually, I knew Kylie before I knew Kylie. Good gay. So when I was back in Argentina in school, I went to a school where I learned English. So we had all of the morning, it was classes as, as normal in Spanish. And then the whole afternoon was in English. And in about third grade, so I would have been about eight, we had, as part of learning English, we had music. And um, basically what that meant is that we were given a, sh- a sheet of paper with sort of the lyrics of a song, but with a lot of them erased. And basically, we would need to listen to the song and basically figure out what is it that it was saying. And the very, very, very first song that we did on that class was actually Kylie doing the locomotion. Oh, it was the Kylie version, not yeah, the original. Yeah, the Kylie version, yeah. So, yeah, like literally you knew Kylie before you knew Kylie. I mean, is Kylie big in Argentina? Amongst the gays, yeah. <laughs> Good gay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I tend to think that I'm not necessarily a a good gay when it comes to music. Would you agree with that? You are a saintly gay when it comes to music, and you probably don't even realise it. So when Ben goes to the, and this is really an insight into our lives together here, when Ben goes to the toilet, and he's going to be there for a while, shall we say, <laughs> Okay. Ben likes to put on medleys of kind of camp songs from Pitch Perfect, particularly anything where it's like a mega mix and it's like different people singing. The one that I hear time and time and time again is the ABBA medley from the Eurovision film. It's not and, ABBA medley. There's another song where it's not an ABBA medley. There's a lot of different songs. You tell me, but I literally hear Waterloo and it's like that really tinny sound because he's obviously listening to it in the bathroom while he's sat on the toilet. But you'd listen to it once. You listen to it twice. You listen to it three times a lady. Like literally... <laughs> What is it about these kind of like acapella? What what's the kind of genre? I don't know how you describe it. I'm I'm not sure. But when I'm in the bathroom, I open YouTube, and realistically, I know I'm in the bathroom. So although I can spend a lot of time there, and you know I can spend a lot of time there, <laughs> I don't necessarily want to spend a lot of time there. So I don't want to spend half the time searching for something to listen. So I just go for the things that YouTube puts there in front of my main screen when I go in. The problem is, is that because that's based on your listening history, it kind of repeats itself. And those are the, the, the things that appear first. So it's basically, I've never seen Pitch Perfect 3, but I've heard a lot of the songs from it. So most of them I've, I've listened in YouTube whilst I'm in the crapper. Yeah. 
and Glee as well. A lot of Glee. There's not a lot of Glee. There's a lot. There's only a, a couple of, of songs that are like that. What's her name? Is it Lee Michelle or whatever? What? Like she just comes out of the bathroom all the time. No, she doesn't. <laughs> Fake news. She does. No, she doesn't. I like the other one. Which one? Oh, the one that very sadly passed away. Oh, but. It's not. It's not that, and it's only a couple of songs from Glee. Bab, don't be. I think you've been a little bit dramatic. Embrace it, Bab, because this is you being a good gay. You know, you're into your show tunes, you're into your a cappella, your vocal groups. Embrace it. Good gay. In terms of being a good gay, for me, I think we've probably seen the most quintessential LGBT film, Paris is Burning. We've both seen that. Obviously, we've seen Brokeback Mountain. Yeah, but is that? Because we're gay, or is that because we fancied the guys? Well, do you know, it's really interesting you say this, because one of the things that I've never really been able to do as a gay man is kind of lust after somebody that I knew was straight. And I know sexuality is fluid, and, you know, everybody can be whatever they want. But I think unless I was told otherwise, if I knew that somebody had dated women, or married, or had children, or anything like that, I've never really been able to sort of say, oh yeah, I really fancy them, because it's like, well, what's the point? Because I've never, I mean, I'll never go out with them anyway, regardless of whether, even if they were gay, but I've I've never really been able to take that jump, if you know what I mean, into that kind of like fantasy world. Mm, the thing is, I think that it's one of those fantasies that is best kept as a fantasy. I think that if you were to have sex with a straight man, it would be a very disappointed affair. Mm. Very disappointing. Okay, so pop culture, good gay. Pop culture, bad gay. Music-wise, I feel like I'm bad gay anytime I'm not in the crapper. <laughs> so, realistically, I kind of don't really care. I'm the kind of person that just puts a random playlist on Spotify and just go with it. And if you ask me what I'm listening to, I have absolutely no idea... But if I think about music that I always go back to, it all comes from my childhood. It comes from the influences from my brother, from my parents, from uh, my aunts and uncles. So uh, it's a little bit what I go back to. It's not necessarily things that have been classed as sort of quintessentially gay music. Is I mean, there was a huge Pink Floyd phase there in my childhood. There was a there was a quite butch. There was a really big like uh, blues face as well at some point. You know, BB King, Eric Clapton, very uh, butch. Um, yeah, I, I suppose. And of course, uh, Argentinian rock. So our, our national, what we call rock nacional, our, our national rock. It's anything bad. It's very instrumental. It's very not based on sort of the voice of a Christina Aguilera type uh, singer is based on music. So it's not necessarily something that it would be quintessentially or stereotypically gay. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I mean, I've always been into dance music. And when I say dance music, I don't mean like what you would call like the clubby, you know, stuff. I'm talking like Daft Punk, Chemical Brothers, Air. um, the world, around the world. Um, 130 times saying around the world. The avalanches and, you know, people like Vitalik and stuff like that. And also sort of taking it a bit more indie with bands like Saint Etienne as well. And it's really interesting. I remember I remember we went on a residential with school and I must have been about 16, 17. And we had a stereo in this campsite that we were staying in, in the, in the kind of like mess hall. 
and I wanted to put a CD on and this guy said to me oh we don't want to listen to your gay shit like that and I put on like some drum and bass and they were like oh this is actually quite good isn't it and it's like yeah you know don't judge me don't judge my sexuality on what kind of my music choices and vice versa actually I mean it's it was quite offensive really but I just kind of shrugged it off but I do find that I always kind of go back to the female voice I do love female singers and I I think I would probably and I'm kind of going back into good gay territory here I I kind of listen to more female led bands and and, and singers but I mean for example I couldn't tell you one Mariah Carey album that I've listened to I can probably think of two Mariah Carey songs the Christmas one and the and the Christmas one because then whenever it hits probably October literally in the next couple of weeks we'll start hearing it on there there's the Christmas one you know all I want for Christmas is you and there's another one whatever you want whatever you need whenever you want is that a Mariah song I have no idea or is that Aaliyah I, d- I don't know I, I don't. this is this is the level of my bad gay but you're also a bad gay in films to be honest I think that you're just a bad films that's the thing because it's like I tell you oh have you watched this film no have you watched that film no have you watched that film no You've, you, you haven't watched any film ever well pretty much if it's a Disney film I've not seen it we didn't have Disney growing up my parents were not into it and so we weren't yeah, so I've I'm... never seen The Lion King. I've seen The Jungle Book. I like The Jungle Book. I've seen Aladdin. But this uh, Little Mermaid, I've not seen that. Snow White. I've not seen Snow White. Yeah, but let's touch on the point that, for example, for people our age, mm-hmm. in our mid to late 30s, mm-hmm. only a couple of months ago, for the first time in your life, I sat you down and watched Clueless. Yeah, that's true. Never seen Clueless. And what's the other one where she's the lawyer? And she's blonde. Legally blonde. And le- you've never watched Legally, never blonde. Legally blonde. I mean, that's mind-blowing. And the cheerleader one as well. Bring it on, get on, whatever. Bring on. it on. Bring it yeah. on. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Bad gay. Really bad gay. <laughs> I mean, first of all, Bring It On is about cheerleaders. So why wouldn't you? Legally blonde is just... It's just camp. That's the thing. That film is just camp. So you kind of want to watch it. And Clueless, given you've seen it recently, so now you can, you can tell. I mean, I dream of that yellow tartan. I mean, the fashion moments in it, iconic. The music was iconic, but it's really not aged very well. Do you think so? The, the, the way they handled the kind of the gay friend, I didn't think really stands up today. And also, basically, she's kind of like falling in love with her brother. Well, it's not her brother. Well, stepbrother. She didn't. She didn't even grow up with with mm. with the guy. I don't know. I just. I mean, I just felt a bit icky. That bit's a little bit creepy. The gay friend. I don't know. I don't feel like they represented him sort of in a negative in a negative light. But he was kind of the villain, isn't he? Of no, he's not the villain. Have you not watched the film? He's not the villain at all. He's actually a good friend. It's just a misunderstanding where she thinks that uh, she wants she's into him and she wants him to be into her, and he isn't. But he's not the bad guy at all. Mm. On the contrary, he just goes shopping with her. They portray him in a very stereotypical way, but I don't think they put him in bad light. I, th- I think my, my impression of, like, the way that gay people are portrayed, particularly in Hollywood during that period, and, and, and especially in the kind of 80s, they're always a bad guy. And I think I'm kind of ingrained that into my head, that it's only recently that we've kind of seen more multifaceted layers of gay people in kind of mainstream films where they're not just bad people, they're not just, like, uber camp and all that kind of stuff. You know what I think? I think that you were just blinded by the iconic fashion and you just didn't really understand the film. Or maybe I'm just a bad gay. Or maybe you're just a bad gay, but the fashion, oh my God, the fashion in that film, 
is more than iconic. And you know the other film, and actually you've not seen this as well, so this is Bad Gay times two, Wizard of Oz. Never seen it. Yeah, you're right. No. And in fact, I couldn't name any other Judy Garland film or song, and I know that she is frequently put on a pedestal as kind of being the ultimate icon among gay men. RuPaul talks about your best Judy, all that kind of stuff. And and, and I know that she's had, uh, you know, a, a really colourful life and and then she's had personal struggles as well and, and, and I can see why gay men value her as a camp figure as well it's not something that I've ever really kind of looked into and I think there's lots of things around that as well I mean we spend a lot of time with gay men and other <laughs> sexualities but there always seems to be this kind of they, they can quote films like lines in films and, and and they look back to that golden era of Hollywood and I've not even seen whatever happened to baby Jane all the way through I think I've seen about half of it. Yeah, but I think you're going to more of a different generation, Bob, as well. Anyway, the part that I do agree with that is that I think one of the parts where we're kind of like bad gay is that we don't talk in film references, particularly in gay film references. And I think that is very much part of gay culture to talk using phrases from iconic parts of films. I mean, I could talk quotes all day from the BBC sitcom Nighty Night which you know is my favourite TV programme of all time. But you're not a massive fan, so I basically just say those quotes all the time, and you're like, ha-ha, that's really funny, and I'm, I'm actually like, mm, that's from 99, and he doesn't know. So, <laughs> But from films and things like that, I mean, if you said to me, what's an iconic film quote, I'd probably do, what's the one in Jaws when he's like, we need a bigger boat? Isn't that the phrase? We need a bigger boat? I think so, isn't it? Yeah. And I always go to that. And those are the kind of the iconic films that I want to go back to. It's Jaws, Jurassic Park, Star Wars, all those kind of films. That's that's what gets my juices flowing. Except that I don't think we've ever been in a boat. Well, I know. So I've never said it. But I'm just saying, if you ask me an iconic film quote, that's what I would go to. Bad guy. Bad, bad guy. Bad guy. Let's talk about careers. Let's talk about jobs. Okay. I think there's a lot of stereotypes about what a good gay would work in. Well, you would probably say the arts, and that's my background. I did a history degree at university, and then I've worked in museums, but the kind of early part of my career, the bread and butter, was that I was a broadcast journalist. And we've talked about this on the show. I've done my radio voice. And essentially, yeah, you know, I was a performer, but, you know, reading the news... And then as my career's developed, I've gone sort of more the other side, if you like, and I've done kind of PR and marketing, but it's always been very creative, you know, lots of blue sky thinking, trying to come up with campaigns and things like that. So I guess you could say that from a from that perspective, and certainly in my industry as well, there's a lot of other gay men in, in my industry. So I guess for me, in that sense, I'm a good gay. Good gay. Not so much for me, though, is it? Bad gay. So, I studied engineering, and I was pretty much the only gay person in my class. And I was probably the only gay person in most of the years above and, uh, and below me. I'm imagining you like, what is it, Daffod on Little Britain, the only gay in the village. Yeah, it was a little bit like that. I feel like I've been the first gay person a lot of these people have have ever met trailblazer did you wear pvc like he did though no although i do wear a lot of pp oh oh mm. 
<laughs> and then of course I went to work and, and I work in petrochemical industry first then I worked many many years for the steel industry so I worked in steel shops and and basically in steel rolling mills then I worked for oil and gas and we've talked about me going out into the oil rigs so I basically worked in all of the jobs that probably guys fantasize about but then is the type of jobs that and I, and I think I've mentioned this before when we interviewed Stuart in our episode about the history of gay sex reality kills porn yeah you porn see lies to you in my head I'm imagining that you're basically like in the Sunita video for so macho he's gonna be and and it's all kind of like neon and lots of muscles and things like that but I imagine it's kind of like that's, really bland meals doesn't work like that Freeze-dried coffee. I'm sorry, but we're talking about something being gay, and the first thing you think is about the taste of the meal and the coffee. Is that the reason why we're fat? <laughs> Instead of thinking about the men and the muscular men, you're thinking about the meal. Well, I did get to them eventually. You are right. It's like, this industry, you think, oh, they're all going to be really muscular, and really, like, basically what porn shows you. No, it's not. There's a lot of big-pellied 60-something-year-old men with two teeth. Well, if you're into that, Bab, you're into it. I mean, there's market for everything. <laughs> As I was told when I was asked to yeah. be in a porn film. So, you know, there we go. But yeah, so I think career-wise, I'm a little bit of a bad guy. But it has to be said that a lot of gay people actually work in a lot of roles, in a, in a lot of different industries that are not necessarily stereotypically gay. It's just that it's not made a fuss about and why would it? I think when you talk about, oh, uh, gays being hairdressers or gays, for example, gays in nursing, at least in Argentina, is like a, a very big thing, a very stereotypical career choice for uh, for gay men. All of those things is, well, actually, gay people actually work in every single industry. It's just that for whatever reason, some of them get to be part of the stereotype and some of them don't. I think it's quite interesting because I think there's, you know, when you're talking about not making a fuss, it's almost this kind of, we all want to fit in and we all want to fit in by, I wouldn't say passing as normal, but then there's also that kind of worry that you're straight washed as well, because we've got this legacy that's come before us where, you know, people, you know, five, 10, 15 years ago, even now are fighting for rights for us. So it's almost on one hand, you just want to be accepted for being who you are. But at the same time, it's kind of, you want to make a mark and say actually I am LGBTQ I'm proud to be LGBTQ but it doesn't make me any different it's just a part of who I am it's not what I am and I suppose that is the part where visibility is important isn't it it's like let everyone let everyone in the world and let particularly young gays know that actually well they can work in whatever they want to and talking about visibility and all that kind of stuff what didn't we do this weekend so according to stereotype we haven't been clubbing all weekend well we did walk past the club last night and we were like should we go in for a drink nah Nah. (laughs) we've had a really busy weekend we've had two back-to-back parties one was for a two-year-old and 
the other one was for a three-year-old. And this is our life now. I mean, I feel like we kind of stepped up, didn't we? We went from a two-year-old birthday party to a three-year-old birthday party. Yeah, What ne- what's next weekend? Four-year-old? We can be bold and skip it and go directly to a five-year-old birthday. <laughs> I mean, there was a lot of chat this weekend about baby yoga. I know. I To be honest, I thought that was thing out of a sitcom rather than actual reality no it was a toss-up between baby yoga or baby ballet i mean i don't know i think babies are flexible to begin with so it seems like yoga isn't that much of a stretch (laughs) i mean literally i mean in america they do cat yoga so i think i think there's a yoga for everybody so you know it's it's absolutely fine yeah but the thing about yoga is that the part where it's challenging for me is because i have the flexibility of a plank (laughs) <laughs> but for a baby that is very flexible to begin with well that's not a lot of effort is it at least ballet I mean you're two years old or three years old just start like standing on your tippy toes <laughs> I mean there's effort there but you have to start young I mean look at my lease with the uh, ice skating you know if she wants to be the next Jane Torville you got to start young yeah and actually if we want those sponsorship money so um, basically she can support all of the family with her wins can you imagine if we get to go and see her at the Olympics? When, where's the next one? Or oh, should we be too young then? That's in Paris in four years. Three years now because of, of oh, COVID. Yeah, it's going to be three years. Yeah, so wherever it's going to be in 10 years, that'll be nice. Yeah, that would be nice. And also, they famously don't do any ice skating at the Summer Olympics either. It's the Winter Olympics. Oh, so. wow. Babe. So we'll nice. get to go somewhere nice and cold in the winter. Don't get me wrong. LGBTQ venues are vital and we support them wherever we can. Just not this weekend, because we were knackered. And also, the other thing, it was rammed in there. And I love going out, clubbing, having a dance, going for a drink, that kind of thing. But I also don't want to queue at a bar for, like, two hours. And that's another thing, when people talk about Pride, that's one of the things that really puts me off going out for Pride. It's because you basically spend the whole weekend queuing. And I know British people are meant to be very good at that, but I hate queuing. So I'm kind of more a Thursday night gay. You know, I'll go to the club on a Thursday night. Yeah, I might feel a bit ropey on Friday, but at least... I've been able to go straight to the bar and walk straight up, got the ear of the DJ, ask for the songs that I want. So, yeah, yeah but it's better that way. You know what the thing is? I think that what you're describing is just rationalising being old. Oh, no, it's don't basically say that. It is. It's, oh, yeah, I love clubbing. I love clubbing, but I want to get there and don't and not have to queue to get in. I want the music not to be loud enough that I cannot hear my thoughts. I want to be able to talk to people. I want to be able to go for drinks and go to the bar and be served immediately without having to wait or being queuing and rammed. I don't want to be like rammed with people and being basically just in a human mass of of people. So basically what you don't want is to be in a club. So are we putting this down to age rather than a gay stereotype? Well, I mean, I don't know. And I suppose as well that there's a lot of LGBTQ people that have children now, so they do have that sort of birthday birthday party life. I think we have it a little bit from the outside. But yeah, I think in this one we're definitely... So let's talk a little bit about relationships now and let's talk about good gay. I think that you are a good gay in terms that amongst your closer circle of friends, there are a lot of women. Yeah. So uh, stereotypically, gay men are friends with either other gay men, mostly gay men that they've had already had sex with, and women. Mm. And your main group of friends, it's all women. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So that makes you a good guy. It's really interesting because I don't see my friends as being what I would call fag hags. I don't. I what nev- is that? Well, it's kind of like where as a gay man, you're kind of objectified by straight women who kind of want to live vicariously through you because of, you know, you, traditionally you wouldn't have children, you know, the pink pounds and all that kind of and all that kind of thing. And, you know, you can be ludicrously camp and say things that they wouldn't dare saying. Whereas it's much more grounded with my group of friends. Like it doesn't matter what se- what gender we are. We came together and we met organically and we've kind of stayed friends that way. So I, I feel really lucky and, I, and I've never really considered it as a, oh, I'm a gay man and all my close friends are female. I just see it as a, oh, it kind of happened that way and I didn't, there was no kind of thought behind it. And again, if you look at my group of friends, they're all so different different sexualities you know really different backgrounds completely different upbringings but we all kind of bring something it's a real melting pot of a friendship group and that to me is what is so exciting about it not that I'm a gay man surrounded by women still stereotypical but then I do have a lot of male friends as well yeah but aren't they most of them gay yeah I suppose they are probably 80% yeah so you are Stereotypically, a good gay. All your friends, or most of your friends, are either gay men or straight women. What about you? Well, to be fair, I kind of want to think myself as being a bad gay here, because I, I kind of think I, I am to some extent. But I think that considering what happens when we actually do go out into a bar or a nightclub in an LGBTQ space, you would disagree? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Ben knows a lot of gays. When we go out, he's a bit of a Z-list celebrity. And I mean that in the nicest possible way. I mean, hopefully. Because literally, you walk into a bar or a club, particularly in Birmingham, but it's happened in London as well, and everybody says, oh, hi, hi, how are you doing? And they know, like, things about you. And I'm just a little bit like, you've never mentioned this person before. And as, as soon as they walk away, I'm like, who's that? And you're just like, oh, yeah, somebody that I knew years ago and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, well, you clearly left a very lasting impression on them. Which, you know, I can see that you are my boyfriend and I can completely get that. But I'm so. memorable. But on the other hand, my main group of friends back in Argentina are from uni. And as I mentioned, my main group of friends then is straight because all people around me uh, um, are straight in uni. So, and it's mixed group is mainly two guys and two girls and then sort of the group grew organically just uh, one of the girl's sisters came and his boyfriend kind of joined the group and then another couple of friends of them joined uh, as well the group so it's now a larger group but they're all straight and here in the UK probably some of my best friends are a little bit mixed so I have very good straight friends and very good gay friends as well so I don't know, am I on the fence here? Yeah, I was just thinking that. I think if I'm a good gay, you're a kind of good slash bad gay. Good gay. Bad gay. Okay, so depending on the day, depending on the mood, I can be one or I can be other. I'm versatile. You are, you are versatile, yes, indeed. And, I, <laughs> and that brings me nicely on to talking about our relationship as well, because I think... And it doesn't really happen as much anymore. But I think some people have this preconception that when you're in a gay relationship, you have to conform to that kind of... A mask-femme dynamic. Dynamic. You know, even in straight relationships, that doesn't always work. But I think people like to feel that there is somebody who is masculine and somebody who is predominantly feminine in a gay relationship. And 
every gay in a relationship, particularly every gay in their 30s in a relationship, at some point has been asked about their relationship, like, oh, and who's the woman? And it's like, literally none for two gay men. That's kind of the point. Yeah, literally, I'm not the woman. Oh, no, no, but who, you know, is like more feminine. It's like people need to class it as a mask femme thing. And relationships don't work like that. You have gay men that are both of them a femme or both of them a mask or some of them that are fluid as well so it's it's not the stereotype i think that's a very old stereotype if we take it down to the bare bones you know if we look at diy in the house you probably do most of the diy but then you do most of the cooking as well so you know when we're talking about that so basically what do you bring into this relationship if i do all of the diy i do all of the cooking so what's your input into this I bloody organise the shit out of you. That's what I do. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes, I fucking I'm do. The, I'm the one with the spreadsheets. You might have created the um, the template, but I'm the one that fills it out. That is true. I'm um, lazy when it comes to that type of things. Yeah, I'm definitely the motivational one um, out of the two of us. But again, is that is that mask? Is that femme? I, 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 I don't see it like that. I just see it as two people who live together, who love each other and respect each other and want to share their lives together. And if that comes across in some respects as masculine, you know, I mean, you know, I, I cut the grass. And, and traditionally, I think a lot of people see that as kind of a... That's the mask, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, but I act. always cut the grass. You've never cut the grass. I always cut it. And I'm, it's kind of my thing. But it's not because I go outside and I cut the grass and I think, yeah, I'm going to be butch today. I'm the man. I'm cutting the grass. I just do it because I've always done it. And that is what it is. And just for cutting the grass, you can stay. What? Oh, for cutting the grass, I can stay? Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but it's quite... I mean, the thing is, we talk about me cutting the grass, but this is me going into kind of like middle-class, Western first world problems here. But we literally don't have much grass anymore because we put AstroTurf right around the front of the house. We've literally got a postage size stamp of grass at the back and it takes me about two minutes. So although I'm like, yeah, I cut the grass, I'm so macho, you know, all that lit- it literally takes Five me minutes. two minutes. Yeah, yeah. So... When it comes then to relationships, are we good gays or are we bad gays? So I think if we're looking at relationships with other people, particularly with our friends, then yeah, I'm a good gay, you're a bad gay. But I think overall, on balance, when we look at our relationship between each other, we're bad gays. Bad gay. Well, if we look at the stereotype, the mask femme stereotype, I don't think we necessarily conform to that. I think we both have our masks traits of personality i think we both have our femmes trait of personalities oh yeah <laughs> but i think that is for you know from my experience with any lgbtq plus relationship that you know people that i've spent time with i think they're all going to be bad gays really because i don't think you can say that you know that that kind of mask femme thing is a is very very antiquated and i know people bring it up even today but i think it's something that doesn't cut the mustard anymore look i think stereotypes will always exist for a reason because people always want to put everybody no matter who they are in a box box. but i think hopefully what we've discussed today is that they're a bit shit so dear listeners according to the stereotypes are you a good gay or bad gay get in touch with us and let us know Yep, you can send us a message 
On the old Twitter, we are at barebackpod. You can contact us on Instagram at barebackpodcast. We're on Facebook. Just search us, bareback. Or you can write us an email. Our address is barebackpodcast at gmail.com. And as you heard from Jack from Brighton at the start of the episode there, we may read them out in next week's episode. You never know. Now, however you choose to contact us, do contact us and tell us where do you fit within all of these stereotypes and what are your thoughts about stereotypes? And once again, thank you so much, guys, for listening to the show. We really, really do appreciate you taking a little bit of time each week to listen to us. But if you do enjoy it, please tell a friend. Tell two, tell three, tell ten. And you can do that in as camp a way as you like or as butcher way as you like. I do not care what the stereotype people think. Just tell people and we will be forever grateful. Right, we've got some homework to do now, Bab. What is our homework? Well, I think we need to watch The Wizard of Oz. Uh, no. Why? Because I don't want to. Why? Because I don't fancy watching The Wizard of Oz. I've seen the Michael Jackson version with Dinah Ross. Have you seen that one? No. It's I called The Wiz. He's on down, he's on down the road. Yeah, I went to see it at Joseph Roundtree Theatre. It's like um, an amateur theatre in York next to the Roundtree's Chocolate Factory. Where they make Kit Kats. We've already done a fair share of gay points for this week. All right. Well, I'm going to go and have a hot dog. Oh, I do like a hot dog. Do you want a hot dog? Let's have a hot dog. All right. I'm making the hot dogs as we speak. Can we put it through a glory hole? <laughs> oh, no. Not Grandma's glory hole. Oh. oh. Bye. Bye. <laughs>